Welcome to the Cowie Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about Cowie, including in our gathering times, visit us online at cowie.church. Enjoy the message. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Clark. Thank you, Stephanie. Just a, uh, an incredible song as we lead in just to this time. And uh, really, both songs so fitting and so true. Um, just about our, uh, our lives, and our sin was great, but His mercy is more. Um, this morning, we're going to be jumping back into uh, 1 Peter as we just continue to walk verse by verse uh, through the Scriptures, and we'll be in chapter 3 uh, this morning. Uh, we're going to look back, uh, beginning in about verse 8, and try to land in about verse 15 today, so you can take your copy of God's Word and open to 1 Peter chapter number 3. Uh, one of the seminary professors that I had told a story uh, at one time, and he shared this story uh, about a dog food company. He said that uh, this dog food company had gathered everybody in and were uh, just excited about uh, just their, their, their business. And I guess the, the CEO or one of the, the guys there uh, asked these questions, and he said, who has the best dog food. Who has the best dog food? And one of the young guys that had just got hired, uh, one of these young guys just says, hey, we do. They says, who, who has the best packaging? Young guy that was pretty new with them, uh, really excited in the back, just yells out, we do. Guy looks out again. He says, who has the best marketing team? Again, one of the guys that had been uh, with them just for a little while lifts his hand. He says, we do. And the guy begins to just kind of tone down just a touch and says, well, if those things are true, then why is it that we're ranked number 12 out of 15 dog food companies? And one of the guys that had been around for a little while uh, popped up and he said, well, it's because the dog's don't like the food. And, you know, when we think about the church, you know, if I were to ask questions and every person in homes were to respond, and I said, who has the infallible, inerrant word of God? And there would be people in living rooms, people maybe even making comments on Facebook right now that would say, we do. We have that. Who has a book that is filled with sweet solutions to life. Who has that? And we would say, we do. Who knows how to point someone and, and, and share the answers to the toughest and most difficult questions of life? And another home might say, we do. Who is it that could point someone to the way, the truth, and the life, to the only way that we can be saved, the only way that a person can come to the Father. And we would all say, we do. Who has a plan for relationships that, that, that allow something beautiful to take place in our lives that is beautiful to this world? And someone would say, we do. And maybe in that same way, we would ask this question, why is it that people are not beating down the doors of churches all over America? Why is it with those kind of things, why is it that 
people are not knocking down doors to be part of what God is doing in churches all across America. And maybe the answer is, is what the world is experiencing is something different than, than maybe what we would assume would be there. Or maybe the world doesn't like the witness that many times Christians are giving. Because the truth is that sometimes believers do not love in the way that we see Christ command us to, that we, we don't demonstrate what this world would see as a beautiful picture of the love of Christ being pressed out and displayed in our lives. Now, I thank God that Cowie is a loving church. I thank God that even in the midst of this time that uh, we have seen God working in an incredible way, even in the midst of pandemics and uh, just crazy days, we see new people coming into our church. We saw uh, people saved and baptized, and we've been seeing God working in incredible ways. You know, I, I read a quote this week that said, real church growth is validated by unity and not numbers. And I thought that was a really interesting picture because the reality is that unity will result in growth even numerically. Jesus said in his high priestly prayer in John chapter 17, he said, I pray that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I in you, may they also be in us so that the world might believe that you have sent me. Now, there's something incredible about this promise, this, this prayer that Jesus prays and this reality that when people would see God's people as one, when they would see unity in his people, that it would cause the world to believe that Jesus was sent by the Father into this world, right? We, we see this picture of this oneness that takes place as, as we put love in action, as it's displayed in unity, it causes the world to wonder why in the world are they able to do that? What allows that to take place? Maybe our greatest apologetic gift, really, maybe the greatest defense that the church can give to the world is a oneness and unity among God's people that the world can see. Pastor Ron mentioned a verse when I think about apologetics. He mentioned a verse that's in 1 Peter chapter number 3 last week and uh, beginning in verse 15, and we'll go back, but Scripture says this. He says, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. Now, this word for defense is the word that we get uh, our word apologetics from. It's apologia. It's this, uh, this word from which we would get our English word uh, apology or apologetics, and it's this picture of uh, a defense of the faith. And we're going to look deeper in that verse, but Ron referenced that, and he shared his story. And when he did, he shared uh, some things about uh, his daughter, and, and just it was such a blessing to hear how God had worked throughout Pastor Ron's life, how he had in, uh, just worked in his family's life, and just the testimony that they uh, had. And, and as, as Rebecca 
As he shared about her, he shared about her testimony from having stage four, excuse me, stage four cancer. And a couple of things she said uh, as she was uh, selected, right? There was a, uh, an evidence in the way that she had walked through this time with cancer, and she had been invited uh, to give a, a testimony, to give a reason for this hope that she had at our Relay for Life. And Pastor Ron shared uh, of how she gave top 10 things that she had learned from having cancer. And she testified of how God used his people. Uh, maybe one of my favorite things is she said that, uh, I think it was in a time where her hair was growing back after chemo, and she said that hair uh, was overrated anyway. And amen to that. Uh, thankful for that testimony. I would uh, concur with that. But these top 10 things counted down, and they finished with the number one thing, and that was that Jesus will never leave you or forsake you, that he can be trusted no matter what, and he will see you through. Now, we're to be ready to give a defense or a reason for everyone that asks. And so as we jump in this morning, I want to ask you a question. Who is it that is watching your life and asking? Now, there's a lot of people that are watching our lives, but how many people are watching our lives and they're seeing something so different in our lives that it's causing them to ask us that question? Why is there such hope? How are you able to walk through these things in the way that you are? And so we're going to see in this chapter uh, a few ways that Peter lets us see where the world is watching. And so we're going to go back to verse 8, but I want to start with this thought that people are watching in the way Christians love one another. This oneness, this unity, this way that we've been looking at as we, we entered into this passage today, Peter gives us just an incredible picture of that. He says to sum up, and he's summing up this, this picture of how we're to relate with authority, how we're to engage with, as husband and wife, how, to, how we're to engage with government, how uh, slaves, masters. It gives all these pictures. And then he says, in summary, this is how you treat your brothers and sisters in Christ. And he says to sum it all up, be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit. Now, I hope that we're known for those kind of words. Yeah, I hope that those kind of things describe us at Cowie, and I think we are. But the reality is that, by and large, if, if you talk to the world, this may not be words that are used to describe the church. But people are watching to see how we love one another. People are also watching. They're wondering how we love people that are not in the church. They're, they're watching to see how we engage with people in the world. That, that The way Christians love the world, even when the world doesn't love us. Look at verse 9. He says, not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but giving a blessing Instead, for you were called for the very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. So there's this thought that, that with the way we love one another, those people that are good to us, those people that are, are loving on us, those people that are uh, part of the family of God, and then there's this way that we respond to people that are not good to us, the way that we love the world, even when the world doesn't love us. Now, many of you may... Uh, have watched the Super Bowl the other night. Some of you may say, you know what, I'm not watching anything to do with them, nothing there. And, and maybe you saw on social media uh, just some pictures, but there was a, 
uh, a little interchange that I thought was interesting, and it reminded me of the way many times that we, we respond when others respond in, in a way uh, with us. You'll see this clip uh, from last week's game. Uh, was the here. offensive coordinator for the Steelers. He caught one ball for one yard, was mostly a returner. And again, Brady and Matthew he have went, an exchange. Yeah, and he went and told him. He's like, listen, after the game, if you want to hang out a little bit, yeah. you know, I'd love to have yeah. you over. Me and Giselle would like to, you know. Keep... No, I don't think that's what he said there. Sportsmanlike conduct, number 32 defense. That 15-yard penalty will be assessed on the kickoff. This is his first foul with regard to disqualification. Well, that penalty won't make uh, much effect here with six seconds going. You know, you see these kind of clips, these kind of things, and you can Google uh, kind of just football games, and you can find people talking smack uh, to one another. And I can remember uh, playing football when I was in high school, and uh, one of my favorite things to do would be to talk smack to the uh, other team. Now, I, I can say, you know, that was prior to my salvation, and so I won't repeat a lot of things that I might would have shared with them in those moments, but the heart of that uh, would many times be just to get them off their game, right? If you could get in their head just a little bit, and you could talk enough to them, and you could say uh, things to them, somehow it would cause them uh, to kind of get off their game. It would get in their head in that kind of way, and when I think about Satan's schemes and the way that he desires to impact the church, the way that he desires to impact our lives, right? We see uh, this, this picture of not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but responding in a different way. Now, many times when I would talk uh, smack to other people that were playing football, they would talk smack back. Many times there would be uh, those kind of moments. I can remember uh, one guy that I would play against, and we would uh, line up, and, and I would talk smack to him, and he was obviously a believer, had kind of a different response than most of them. And I can remember in one uh, game I had gotten uh, just kind of in his, his head just a little bit, and he, he knelt down. We were playing uh, on the line together, and we were kind of close to one another. And he said, Smith, he said, I want you to know one thing. He said, God loves you. And he said, I love you, but I'm going to have to kill you. And so when we see uh, these kind of things happening in our lives, and people are insulting or people are, uh, are, are responding the way uh, or, or people are insulting us, we're tempted to respond like the world. We're tempted to say, you know what, they punch me, I'm going to punch them back. They, uh, you know, we, how many people experience road rage? Uh, maybe, you're, you, maybe somebody in your house, you could point at them in this moment when they get upset when some of those kind of things happen. But there's a way that God intends for his followers to respond. And when that happens, it is completely different than this world. But Satan would love to get in our head. He'd love for us to respond when people uh, are rough with us, when people insult, when people uh, just to return evil for evil. But he says, that's not who we are. You were called for this very purpose, that you might inherit a blessing. For in verse 10, he says, the one who desires life to love and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. He must turn away from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and he hears and attends to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who love, those who do evil. Satan loves nothing more than to get us off of our game. People are watching how we respond to those that insult us, to those that uh, don't treat us well. But the Scripture says the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous. The world is watching, and they want to know why it is that we respond 
differently. Verse 13, he says, who is there to harm you if you prove zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed and do not fear their intimidation and do not be troubled. Now, here's this this picture that that Peter uh, is sharing, and he says that that, that here's there's two responses really when we do good. There's two responses really when we live for Christ. We will both attract people and we will repel people. I want you to hear those two things. We will attract people because there's going to be something different about the way we love. It's going to be an unusual love. It's going to be something that looks completely different than this world, but we're also going to repel people because there's going to be an unusual holiness about our life. Now, I'll explain some of those things, but the more God's glory is shining through us, shining in our lives, the more we're going to attract people and the more we're going to repel people. Now, here's the truth. If nobody's responding in either way, then I believe the reality is that there's not much of Christ showing forth in you. If nobody's being attracted because of your unusual love, then we're not loving people in a way uh, that would reflect Christ on the inside. If no one is being repelled in this world because of this unusual holiness and this unusual desire to live for Christ, then really there's probably not much going on in there. Now, on the other hand, if, if everyone is persecuting you, it may be just because you're obnoxious, right? It may be because uh, you're, you're a jerk, right? So uh, there's extremes on both ends. But what we see in this passage, uh, Peter is saying, hey, most people are going to be grateful for your presence. He says, who is there to harm you if you prove zealous for what is good? He says, most people are going to be grateful for your presence as you do good. I think about our WMU this year as they were delivering gifts to families, as they were wrapping gifts for for Christmas, as they're uh, engaging us to help Smoky Mountain Pregnancy Care Center, as they're maybe hanging out in a laundromat paying for people's uh, laundry to be washed. You're not generally going to be persecuted in those moments. You're going to find people responding well. I think about our brother as they delivered firewood these past few weeks, as they build ramps and they engage on mission. It's not often that you take a load of firewood to somebody's house and you dump it off and they persecute you in those moments. It's not often that you're in the drive-thru and somebody's behind you and you decide to pay for their meal, uh, that that person gets upset and chases you down. We see there's this picture of attraction as we are doing good, as we're shining, as our light is shining. There's this unusual love that's displayed, but there's also this unusual holiness that causes people to be repelled. See, the truth is that if we are living godly lives in Christ Jesus, we will face persecution. We will experience opposition. There will be things as we pursue Christ that we will be left out of. There may be uh, families, there may be students that are uh, under, you know, listening to this this morning that say, you know what, there's things that I can't do that some of my other friends do because we have faith in 
Christ. You may uh, choose purity in your dating relationships. You may uh, choose to, uh, as a young person, to say, you know what, a lot of people that I know, a lot of people that are in this world, they're choosing to, uh, to cohabitate and say, you know, hey, I'll, I think I'll uh, maybe hold off on this marriage type thing. But you're saying, hey, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choose a different path, and I'm going to honor God in that, and, and I'm going to live differently. There's so many ways that you may be experiencing some of those things. And, and as you look at this world and as you live as a Christ follower in a world, you know, Peter refers to these uh, people as, as these elect exiles, right? As these people that uh, are God's people that are living in a foreign land, right? We're ambassadors for Christ in a, in a culture that is so opposed to the things of Christ and there's a way that we can prevent persecution. There's a way that we can live in fear, and we can prevent persecution. And it's very simple. It's just that we do and live and act just like whoever we're with. That it's where we would come into a, a church service, and we would gather with other believers, and we would uh, kind of put on that uh, Christian mask for a bit, or we'd put on that Christian front, and we would live like them. I, I've heard them called chameleon Christians where they just blend in with wherever they're at. So then on Monday when they're with the sports team or they're with uh, people at school that, that are not followers of Christ, they get right in the midst of, the, uh, of the, the, the garbage that's talked and the things that are there, the locker room talk, whatever those kind of things are. With workplaces where uh, maybe they uh, find themselves with, with non-believers and they're engaging in conversation that they would never engage in uh, in the midst of fellow believers. And we, so we see those kind of things. But I want you to know that when we embrace and recognize that we're going to live called out different, that we're called to be set apart, we live in this world but not part of this world, that, that we can in community with one another. That's what's one of the beautiful things. You know, we're walking through this, this little couple of week period where we needed to pull back from gathering uh, just to, to prevent uh, sharing more than the love of Christ. But there's a reason that this coming week, you know, we're going to gather back together as the body of Christ, right? Scripture says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, that we're spurred along uh, to good works, that we're encouraged by one another. It's one of the reasons that we encourage people to take a next step of connecting in community with a small group and uh, engaging in a discipling relationship with other believers because we grow in strength from one another. And, and when we are walking together, and we are saying, you know what, we're going to live uh, as citizens of the kingdom of God in this earthly uh, place that we live, what Satan uses to oppose ends up causing the people of God to be strengthened. See, there's this reality, you're going to feel left out. There's going to be times that you're not going to feel normal when it looks like the rest of this world, but this passage says, hey, blessed are you when you are insulted. Blessed are you when you're persecuted. Blessed are you when you're lied about because of Christ. The believer who suffers persecution for the sake of righteousness, he says he is blessed. Now, Peter uh, had spent time with Jesus, and I can imagine him hearing the words of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter 5, uh, we have those words recorded in verse 10 that are, blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Peter says, but even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed. You don't have to fear. He says people are going to notice when we walk in this life and we experience suffering, we experience persecution, the way that you suffer, the way that Christians suffer 
is noticed by this world. And it causes people to ask that question. Why is it that you're able to walk through these difficult things? People notice that you, instead of responding with evil or instead of responding in the same way people are responding to you, that you are blessing people, that you are different. So much of the rest of 1 Peter addresses suffering. You know, we think about suffering and we read these words, hey, do not fear, do not be troubled by the the terror of persecution, no matter what the suffering is, no matter if there's ridicule, mockery, uh, whatever those things are, uh, imprisonment, being martyred, all these things that, that really the reality is that when we look at what's happening to Christians in many parts of the world, we, uh, we don't experience persecution like we read about. But here's what we are to know, that if a believer is persecuted because he stands for Christ, he is to have no fear, that God will never leave him or forsake him. And the, the truth of all this is that he is worth everything. It is worth standing for righteousness. Blessed are you, Jesus said, when you are persecuted for my name's sake. Elizabeth Elliot wrote a book that I've been reading, and it, it's called Suffering is Never for Nothing, I believe is the name of it. But she says this, she says, I'm convinced that there are a good many things in this life that we really can't do anything about, but that God wants us to do something with. Now, she experienced tremendous suffering. We know of her uh, husband's uh, martyrdom. We know that uh, just the, the incredible way that her life has been impacted. And she gives a definition of suffering. And when we think about what she has faced or what her family has faced, many times we compare to those things and we think, you know what, I'm living a patty cake life. Because the reality is when I look at what uh, believers uh, in uh, other parts of the world are facing because of their faith and, and the persecution that is there, the suffering that people are going through, even uh, just in life in general, people that are walking through sickness or dealing with cancer and all those kind of things, a lot of times we want to compare those things in our life. We want to compare what we're facing versus what they are facing. And we can always find someone who has it worse. But Elizabeth Elliot said this about suffering. She gave a definition that I think will uh, kind of resonate with every person. And she says this, suffering is having what you don't want or wanting what you don't have. And I love that because all of us can find a place that that fits. Suffering is having what you don't want, sickness, cancer, difficulties, or maybe wanting what you don't have. And the question that comes to our mind is where do we find strength? Where do we find the ability when we, when we see this call that we have to love one another well. We see the, the list of those ingredients that for a good relationship. We see those kind of things listed. Where do we find strength to love one another well as the body of Christ? Where do we find strength to live holy and set apart lives, knowing that when we do that, there are people that are going to be attracted uh, because of that. There are going to be people that are going to see this love that we have and want to know the reason that we have a hope, but it is also going to cause us to repel others who, uh, who are impacted differently as we desire to live holy, set-apart lives. How do we love this world well when it treats us? How do we do those kind of things? And even maybe more difficult, 
how do we suffer well? Because First Peter, and he jumps in there. It's kind of the Job of the New Testament, right? He, he is laying in there with what it looks like to suffer. And, and how do we suffer well? And I believe the answer is found in the verse that we started with, the verse that Pastor Ron read last week, the verse that many times we read and we say, you know what, how do we defend the faith? How do we live our lives in a way that is a defense uh, and, and to be able to give a response to the reason that we have hope? 1 Peter 3.15 says this, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make an offense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. This word sanctify, it gives us this picture of being set apart, uh, of consecrating. And in this text, we can see that this, this way that it, it gives us this picture of us having Christ in this primary place of adoration, of exaltation, that we are worshiping him alone above everything else in this world. He says we are not to fear because we know who God is. He said sanctify Christ as Lord in your heart. Trust that Jesus, right, when he is Lord, he is in charge and not us, that he is in ultimate authority. And, and that when we walk through things in this life, if we face suffering, he says, hey, listen, most of the time, people are going to respond well to the way uh, that you love and to the things that are there. But when they don't, we know that we have a God who is in charge, who is in control, and we worship him, we adore him. Peter is talking to some people in this passage of Scripture, and he is talking to people that have experienced the power of the resurrection, that have experienced Jesus, right, that have a relationship with him. And I'm talking to those kind of people this morning. And Peter is saying, he is worth everything. He is worthy of our praise. He is worthy of any pain that we might face. He is worthy of anything in our lives that we walk through because he is Lord. And God is looking for people who are passionate about him, that love him with everything, you know how you can tell if you're passionate about something in your life? You know how you can tell if there's truly something that you love and are passionate about? Those kind of things you're willing to endure pain because of. You're willing to endure pain because of those things. And when you look at your life and you see things that you're saying, you know what, I'm willing to put in the hard work for this. I'm willing uh, to endure pain. I'm willing to endure these things, those things you are passionate about. I just wonder, what are we willing to experience pain for? What are we willing to live our lives different for? God's looking for some young people with a backbone like a saw log that'll say, you know what, I'm going to go to school tomorrow, and I'm going I'm to walk into a classroom. I'm going to go into a locker room. I'm going to engage with people for some men that'll walk into a workplace, men, ladies that would do the same, and they would say, you know what, I'm going to live for Jesus. I'm not going to be caught up in the midst of the things of this world. And even if it causes pain, even if it causes some sense of persecution, I will be obedient to Christ. See, the world should look, and people are walking through it in, in a, a group of people that, that may be listening to this message, maybe watching this from homes. There are people that are facing all kinds of suffering, people that have lost loved ones, people that are walking through sickness and cancer and all these different things. But I want you to know that the world should look at followers of Jesus Christ, but they should be in awe of the way that we suffer so much that they would ask us, why? You know, Jerry York uh, just recently, uh, I like to say he won his battle with cancer because I'm confident of where Jerry is, but I was always in awe of Jerry because he, as he walked through cancer and as he faced 
cancer. He would be in the hospital and he would say, you know what, it's been a blessing because there's been so many nurses that have come by and I've had the opportunity uh, to share the gospel with them. I've had the opportunity to witness to them. And he always had this way of looking at whatever his hard time was as an opportunity that the gospel might go forth. People should be in awe of the way and the difference because followers of Jesus Christ have a hope that is way beyond these moments. How are you still smiling when you walk through difficulty? How is it that you're facing these difficult situations? Peter says, this is how you'll show the beauty of Christ. By the way you love one another, by the way you love the world when the world doesn't love you, by the way you handle hard times, and the reality is I would much rather have opportunities to praise God for miracles uh, and, and blessings and healings and all those kind of things. But the reality is that while we are able to, to praise Him in those moments, we are also able to praise Him in moments where we face suffering, in moments where there's difficulty. And it's hard to explain away joy in the midst of cancer. I remember Don Capafort would say, you know, my cancer didn't take God by surprise, right? And he would praise God in the midst of that. It's hard to explain away trust in the midst of trials where people that are walking through difficult times and they are holding close to the Lord, where there's hope in the midst of hurting, where there's peace beyond this world's understanding and this, even our own mind's understanding. And in the midst of this, as Pastor Ron shared his story, there's this evangelistic heart in every heart that follows Christ. And whatever it is that we're facing, whatever it is that we're walking through, there's this reality that the world is watching and that there's people that are desperate to hear the good news of who Jesus is, and it motivates us in those moments. There's this awe that we have as followers of Jesus Christ that He would die for us, that the God of heaven would go to a cross for me. And that awe should motivate us to live our lives in a way that says, you know what, he is worthy of walking through pain. He is worthy of, of any difficulties that we might face. And our desire as followers of Jesus Christ, my challenge to every person, uh, young person, older person, wherever you're at in the midst of your walk with Christ, is that you would desire that you might not miss any opportunity, that you might not miss one opportunity, that you might be able to witness for Christ, that we uh, are never shirking back in our duty, in our responsibility, in our, uh, our calling, right, to live our lives on mission for the glory of His name. So day by day, as we cross paths with other people, as we meet people in grocery stores, as we engage with people in uh, our schools and in our workplaces and in wherever God may lead us, we are ready. That's what that, that's what that verse really says. It says that we're always to be ready. Always to be ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is within you. We're going to talk about this verse a little more in the coming weeks. It gives this picture of this gentleness and reverence that we have, this, this reality that there are neighbors and friends and teammates and employers and people that are all around us that are watching, right? We're to live our lives in a way that remembers that the world is watching and they ought to see something different in us. The heart of today really is just to say that in whatever you're facing, 
whether it's loving one another, whether it's loving this world, whether it's dealing with persecution, whether it's dealing with suffering, whatever those things, things are that are in our life, may the response of us in the strength of Christ, right? It's only in Christ that we can respond in, in, in this way. It's only in His strength. There's nothing that we could do in our own strength that would allow it. But in the way that we respond is Christ lives His life in and through us that it might cause the world to notice. They see something different in us. And may we be ready to give a reason, to give a defense, to give an answer for the reason that the hope that we have is in us, the reason that we um, follow Christ. You know, we could go on and just dig in of how we can be ready, how we can study up, how we can be prayed up. All those things are so important. But I want to leave you with just, just a couple of questions. And I pray that you'll examine this as we look toward these coming weeks. It may be that uh, even in the comments of, uh, of Facebook or church online, uh, maybe you can even list some questions that you might would love to see us uh, give an answer for, right? That, that we think about how we live in this life. One question I have for you is, why is it that you are a Christian? I want you to think about the way that you would answer that. And honestly, a lot of times, some of us are scared to death of people asking questions. That's one of the reasons that uh, we encourage folks to, to learn to share their story, just as Pastor Ron did. What a beautiful way just to testify of God's mercy and His grace and uh, just to engage and connect with people's hearts. But there's also, we need to know why we believe what we believe. Why is it that we are, are followers of Christ? And why is it that someone else should believe the truths of, of God's Word? Why is it that someone else should surrender their life to Christ? And... You know, as we close today, maybe there's some questions that you'd love to see us address. You know, there's things that we fear people asking. You know, what is it that uh, you would love to hear us just engage with? And whether we do it in the midst of this series in First Peter, as we look at this, uh, this calling for us to be ready to give a defense, uh, to give a reason for the hope that's in us, uh, maybe we address it even in those moments. Maybe it's a, a series later. But if you would like to see us just take on some type of uh, questions that you might have. Why does God allow evil and suffering in the world? Why is it that, um, you know, I hear people say questions sometimes like, why is it that uh, bad things happen to good people? We hear those kind of questions. How is it that we could trust and know that the Bible uh, is true? Why is it that we believe those things? So many things that may pop in our mind. And we'd love to just continue to walk together as we, uh, as we do our part, right? He says that we're to always be ready. First, he says we're to live our lives in a way that would cause people to ask for the reason. But then he says we're to always be ready to give a defense, to give that reason. And so we have a responsibility to dig into his word, to grow in the grace and knowledge of who he is and to be able uh, to give an answer. And so I want to encourage you, as we close this morning, if you have never, maybe if someone was to ask you, why do you have a hope in the midst of these situations? What is it that, um, you know, that you stand on for uh, salvation? Or why is it that you're able to go to heaven? It may be that some of you don't have answers to that question. Maybe you say, you know what, I really don't have a hope 
you know, in this passage, there's this real calling for us to be authentic, that what we say with our lips might match what's in our hearts and what's in our lives. And maybe some of you would say, you know what, there, there's really nothing uh, that I can stand on. I, I, I don't believe I have a relationship with Jesus. I've never uh, responded to his gracious gift of salvation. And I, I'm not even sure that I, that I know Christ. I, I have questions about those things. We'd love to connect with you. We'd love uh, to just to spend time with you, to take God's word and show you what it means to follow Christ. There's, um, please reach out to us, whether it's a Facebook message, whether it's an email to the church. There's some text-in numbers that, uh, that you'll see scroll across the bottom of the screen at, at some point and uh, that you can just connect with the next step. But we would love uh, just to take God's word and to, um, to share uh, a way that, that we can have hope, a way that we can know uh, that we have eternal life, a way that we uh, can, uh, can know that we have a relationship uh, with God. And so uh, we love you. We thank you so much for tuning in uh, this morning. We're excited to be back uh, in the building uh, this coming week. We are, uh, again, appreciative of you allowing us to uh, just kind of pause and make sure that our staff and uh, that our, our situation was in a, a good place uh, safely so we can come back together and not be in a spot to, uh, to need to pause uh, or to need to be in those kind of dynamics. And so, again, grateful for, uh, for your understanding in that. We look forward to worshiping uh, together next week uh, in the building and also online. We know that there's uh, different situations and different uh, circumstances where it's better for some folks to be uh, in an online gathering. Uh, there's times that uh, even uh, just to, to be away or, or just different dynamics that are there. We understand all that. There's nothing, um, you know, we're not, not trying to, to say, hey, you've you got to be here, you've got to be there. We want to meet you wherever uh, you are at in these moments. And we recognize, again, that uh, just for safety and, and different situations, people that are at high risk, lots of, lots of variables that are out there. And so we uh, completely understand uh, that, but we are uh, expectant just to continue um, just to worship our great God, just to continue to uh, lift high his name. Uh, we love you again. We thank you for uh, being with us this morning. Uh, share this. We'd love for you to connect with uh, other people and just share uh, just this message with them. Share, uh, invite them to, to be part of uh, what God is doing here. We're excited to uh, have our starting points class rescheduled for the end of the month. You'll see on cowie.church forward slash bulletin, some different events that are coming up. You'll see some different uh, things that are taking place. Our students will be going uh, to Snowbird uh, this coming weekend. You'll see some uh, information about uh, that event. I think there's still some spots available uh, for that. You'll see the starting points class sign up. Uh, we had a great group that uh, had planned on doing that, so we are expecting of, of being able to continue on with that, but if we can be of any assistance, if we can serve your family in any way, please uh, let us know. I'm going to pray for us, and we uh, will be uh, dismissed this morning. Father, we are so thankful, Lord, that God, your grace, God, that your love has been extended to us, Lord, and we we pray, God, that as a response, Lord, of, of your grace and an overflow of God, just your great love, Father, that we might live our lives, Lord, in a way that would reflect who you are, God, that we would deny ourselves, Lord, that we would 
we would remember, Lord, that following you is not simply living for you, but allowing uh, you to live your life in and through us, Lord. And we pray, God, that as we deny ourselves, Lord, as we uh, just spend time, Lord, knowing and, and learning about who you are, Lord, that we grow in our love for you, Lord, that we grow in our obedience, God, that we, we recognize, Lord, that, that our response, Lord, to, to your grace, Lord, and to your mercy and to your love, God, is obedience, Lord. You tell us that if we love you, that we'll keep your commandments, God. We pray that our love would be displayed in our actions, Lord, that we would love one another well, Lord, that we would be so unified in this body of believers, God, that we would, God, that we would be a picture to this world, God, that they would wonder why, Lord, that they would, uh, that they would believe the truth of who you are because there's something so different. There's something so set apart, so different about these believers that gather in this local expression of your body. God, we, we pray, God, you help us to, to be in unity like that. God, we pray, Lord, you help us to respond to this world, uh, God, in a way that, uh, that blesses instead of curses, God, that, uh, Lord, that trusts your upside-down way of, of, of this kingdom, Lord, that you've called us to, God, to be part of, Lord, that we would walk in obedience, Lord, to that call, Lord, that we would that we would be different and so different, Lord, that the world would look and wonder why. And God, I pray, Lord, that as we face difficulty, if we face persecution, if we face suffering, God, whatever things that we experience in this life, Lord, I'm reminded that the words of Jesus, Lord, that in this world we will have trouble. God, I pray, Lord, that the way we respond to that, God, might, might reflect, God, a faith and a hope that is way beyond these moments. Lord, we take courage. God, we are filled with courage, Lord. Not in our own strength, Lord, but because we know you have overcome this world. So, Lord, help us to live on mission for the glory of your name, Lord, with, uh, with no fear of response of men, Lord, but with a, a, a desire to please you. Lord, help us to set apart Christ as Lord in our hearts, God. God, that we love you so much. God, that... Whatever we face, it'll be worth it. God, you are worthy of our praise. You are worthy of our worship. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.